0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, taking you behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the biggest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'll be talking to actress Gillian Jacobs and Thomas Cale, the director of Hamilton, about their new off-Broadway play, Kings, now playing at the Public Theater. The timely play, an examination of money, politics, and Washington lobbyists, is the latest by Sarah Burgess, whose equally topical first play, Wall Street Story Dry Powder, was directed by Cale at the Public in 2016. For Jacobs, who's familiar to TV viewers from shows like Community and Netflix's Love, Kings marks her first New York stage appearance since she was in the cast of Stephen Adley Girgis' The Little Flower of East Orange in 2008. They're both in the studio with me to talk theater, politics, money, and more. Gillian and Tommy, thanks for being
0: here. Thank you for having us. Happy
1: to be here. So politics and the ins and out of what happens in Washington have obviously been front and center in the American consciousness for the last couple of years now. And I feel like Kings takes what feels like a particularly relevant look at the ethical questions that rise uh, from the role that money plays in the workings of Washington. Gillian, tell us about your character and the issues that she's confronting in the play.
0: I play Kate, who is a lobbyist who works in healthcare policy. And um, at the beginning of the play, we meet her at a retreat in Vail where she is trying to convince a new congresswoman to get on board with a bill she has that will benefit podiatrists. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we see her... At work in the first scene And over the course of the play She's going to start to maybe question For the first time her job uh, Its importance and what effect It's having on American politics And American life
1: Is that a real convention?
0: Yes, so there are all of these retreats Around the country, that the law... s'mores
1: event sounds really fun. Yes, yeah. I know. Uh,
0: yeah, so our I think the play, the origin of the play, was an article that the playwright Sarah Burgess read about these retreats that lawmakers and lobbyists and donors go on that apparently they don't like to talk about very much publicly, and she was just fascinated by this idea. And so, yeah, we see one later in the play that's happening at Disney World, and um, so there are these gatherings of people who are really shaping American law and policy. And, uh, you know, people like my character are paying to attend this, paying this Congresswoman's campaign committee to fly out there. Um, and so I was not really aware of these before working on the play, but I think they're important to talk about. Yeah.
1: And so, Tommy, what did you feel like were the big issues you grappled with as you were directing the play uh, about politics in Washington and all the ethical issues that come up?
2: I think trying to represent... Uh, humanity and human beings who are caught up in this who have made a decision, and uh, like anything else that you're trying to put on stage, think very deeply about why these days, why these moments like what's what's bringing us to this particular intersection of these characters okay. and you know, I think that Sarah and I both grew up outside of washington d c in the same town, although I'm one hundred and twelve years older than her. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think that uh, at least for my own point of view with Washington, being sort of on the outside. Where, where are we from? I, I'm from Alexandria, Virginia, yeah. which is about yeah. you know, just a few Close, miles yeah. outside. But like, a, but no one goes from D.C. to Virginia. It's like living in New Jersey. You know, like we're, you, right. I lived in New Jersey for a little while, right. and people would say, well, we can't go there. I said, you know, it's the same distance for me to come in. <laughs> um, no one really seemed to care. And so being a, an outsider in this very inside culture is something that Sarah's also... Uh, exploring both with the congressperson played by Issa Davis, mm-hmm. who is someone who uh, wins a special election in Texas, and then also is thrust into this. And then you have people that. Uh, that and are, has these ideals, ideals in conflict with the way the system yeah, works. Yeah, perhaps informed by not being part of the system. Right. And obviously, Potomac Fever and a lot of you know those ideas are things that you grow up close to Washington. You hear about, but I sort of ran away from politics. Usually, if if you grow up in an area like uh, like I did, you either go right in or you go away. And I went the opposite direction, and then have spent the last few years of my life running uh, political campaigns that just happen to be um, shows. Yeah, I was going to ask because actually that, that Hamilton show is
1: moderately pol- political as well. Yeah. Uh, apparently.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we thought we had a, a funny story about a guy who was in government, but we were right. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Trying to make a rip-snorting comedy to impress Gillian, and, <laughs> but it did not.
1: And how- Still may.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and how soon after Dry Powder did you start working on this?
1: Well, or Sarah did was she start working? On Sarah it was writing this concurrently.
2: So oh, when we okay. were when we were in production for Dry Powder, she was working on early drafts of this play. So that's about almost exactly two years ago. Okay, yeah. And so it was written uh, over a period of time where the world changed and landscapes shifted, and yet the core ideas of this play: what does it mean to have power? What does it mean to try to get power? And how do you get things that you want from other people? Are also really uh, distilled theatrical ideas I mean that's where comedy and and drama comes from that kind of conflict and then Gillian how did you get involved
0: I think a year ago I did a reading of the but
2: it feels like 11 months
0: feels like 11
1: months
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I finally made her laugh seven weeks seven weeks in is she a tough laugh is that are you kidding me I can't this is the first time she's been moderately impressed by me
0: Uh we'll see. Um <laughs> uh, I did a reading of an earlier draft of this play uh twelve or eleven months ago. Right. And, and uh, how did it
1: did you know the writer? Did you know Tommy? Did you know I, the I'd public? I mean you'd Tommy worked at the Tommy and I had
0: met. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I did not know Sarah. I had read dry powder. Okay. I had wanted to audition for dry powder, but it I couldn't because it conflicted with the shooting schedule on my T V show. But what Sarah- when,
1: when would that have been? That would have been love or that yes, would have been Yeah, love, okay. Yeah. yeah. Season one of Love?
0: Perhaps, or maybe two. Mm. Who's to know? Oh, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Season three coming out soon. <laughs> Season three
1: coming out soon. We'll be talking about that soon, too. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I was definitely aware of Sarah as a writer. I really liked her writing. Um, and then I thought that this play was excellent, and I really loved this character of Kate. I thought, it, for me personally, it was a great character and a departure from what I'd done recently. Okay, yeah. Can you yeah. expand a
1: little bit on why yeah. you thought it was a great character?
0: So, you know, I was excited by the prospect of working on a play uh that was about ideas and all these questions of power and how do you get it and um not so much focused on like the romantic life of my character or you know i've done a lot of things recently that have had you know i I did this movie for Netflix. That's like a great rom-com, and love is obviously about love.
1: That's called. Uh, is that the Ibiza? Is that yes, yeah? Okay. It'll come
0: out this year. So I'd, I'd done a lot of things recently that centered around romantic relationships, and so I was really drawn to the idea of working on something that was not about that. That was about um, people fighting about ideas and ideals.
2: Sorry, I just almost fell. Tommy, I almost chair. fell over. But
0: oh, I you were he's trying to <laughs> see if these were real drawers. I, we're was, just... I was so bored by listening. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> Woo,
2: that was wow, right. that center of gravity. Yeah, it's you right. said lightly edited. Take right? back the director, my pity the director speaks. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, and so, I think for me, selfishly, this was a you know an exciting departure from what I'd done recently.
1: Were you looking to come back to theater? Had how long has it been since you've done a play?
0: It's been ten years exactly, and okay. it was at the Public Theater. That, 10 that years was ago. the last one, Little yes. Flower. Okay, yes. yeah. So I did this play called The Little Flower of East Orange by Stephen Alley ten years ago at the Public Theater, and so I think around the time that I read Dry Powder was when I really started to think about like maybe I would like to do a play again, and I'd done little one day things in L.A. like the twenty four hour play festival or this uh, Shakespeare benefit um, that Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson do, where I got to oh yeah play, do. Mm-hmm. You know, play all the, my dream roles in Shakespeare for a day, <laughs> and uh, so I'd had little bits of it, but nothing like being in a rehearsal process and you know doing a full run of a show. So um, by the time this reading came around, it really felt to me like something that would be great to do. Right.
1: And Tommy, this physical production looks fairly similar to uh, to Dry Powder in a way. Can you tell me uh, tell us a little bit about kind of what the what the play looks like and what it does to have it staged in the way that you have staged it with audience on either side
2: sure i kept on waiting for gillian to talk about the role of the director in her decisions yeah. but uh
0: irrelevant well um that's
2: that's for episode 21 of stagecraft yeah so this is gonna be a two-parter we continue yeah i didn't yeah. know that you were aware of this <laughs> gordon but i uh i've got a lot of free time today <laughs> um, i don't so, oh my, she's so busy she's on love on netflix congrats Thank so much. Uh, <laughs> So Sarah, whether she knows it or not, is in the midst of writing a trilogy, and I think she's writing a trilogy okay. about the dynamics of power and uh, how you can be corrupted by power and how you try to hold on to your values. So dry powder was the f- yeah. was the first offering in that. And what's number three? Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. It's about three people in a podcast that goes really awry, <laughs> uh, and uh, and so what I found in making dry powder because it was about the world of high finance, which is a relatively hidden world, which is something that Sarah was really interested in. This is something that's actually intentionally kept opaque and behind closed doors. So to expose it and try to make it feel like it was relevant and not something that was so distant from who we are, I staged the show in the round with very uh, suggestive uh, representational uh, furniture, right? Like uh, right. a cube was. Uh, right. Everything, know, whatever you in multiple it to be. ways. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and also, you know, in a sort of practical way, you know, when you're when you're trying to be smart about things like budgets. And Sarah right. writes a play where it takes place in an office building where the chair probably costs fifty-seven thousand right. uh, dollars. I knew what my entire budget was, and it didn't feel like we were going to get that chair. Right. And so, what I thought was, let's just do something that's evocative that keeps the focus on the language and the actors. And then, in doing this play, which is twelve distinct scenes in eight different locations over 96 minutes, which is a real thrill for a director. Uh, (laughs) You know, it it also um, gave me a chance to try to explore in a way that felt like it was a relative of what we'd done before, but not go back and and take out the same playbook. So here the audience is on two sides. Um, So alley style is what they call that. Um, And I think it does give you that kind of proximity, but there's also the opportunity to watch the audience watch the show Mm -hmm. and I think there's something about the nature of how politics has created this kind of arena feel and if you watch any town hall or debate so much of it is about that kind of interaction there happened to be a scene in the middle of our show which is that which felt like we could kind of build from there and then there's a lot of thoughts uh, thematically that Ana Luizos our wonderful set designer and I started kicking around about the recycled nature and the cyclical nature of so many of these conversations. How many times do you say the same thing to a different Congress, uh, person? That and all the hotel in? lobbies look exactly the right. same. And, right? and if you right? have like, yeah. and if you're in like a business class hotel, they basically like hose it down and bring in the next person. Right. has like a slightly different suitcase. <laughs> right. So how do you evoke that and keep it moving? And also because there's real propulsion to this play and the way that the characters speak and think, I wanted to allow our show to support that and not get in the way, so it wasn't a show about transitions. It was a show about trying to get to the next place, and the next place looks very familiar to the place you just were, and I think that that also can have an impact, hopefully, on uh, you know, the audience experience of understanding the, um, the sort of rat race of it. Yeah. This is probably the most important question I have, which involves Ooh, these like two scenes
1: <laughs> happen in Chili's, right? Tell yeah. me, Explain to me the research you did into Chili's, and in particular, into their margaritas.
0: I don't drink, so I've never had a margarita. <laughs> oh. Um a lot
2: of Gatorade realized, on stage. Yeah. I was I gonna say, <laughs> what is I, like, that green I stuff? I heartily
0: gulp the margarita, <laughs> and I did think last night, does someone drink a margarita like this? And like because I, I get so thirsty because our sure. characters talk so much that right. I really relish the opportunity to be able to drink anything on stage. And as I was gulping the margarita last night, I thought <laughs> what message is this sending about my character? But um, I need... It seemed in character. I actually. need the hydration. Like, yeah. um, I am realizing as we are doing interviews, I'm a very lazy actor. I don't know that I've ever been to Chili's. And um, I did no research. But my character um, has starts out with quite a bit of disdain for Chili's. So that feels right. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. Because you
2: hate the things you don't know. Is that what you're saying, Gillian?
0: No, but I, I, I shouldn't have like a... I don't have to come onto stage with a deep love and affection for right. Chili's because right. my character doesn't. Okay, right. Tommy. I think
1: that's right. And she probably hates continues. it without having been. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, she's a snob. And uh, so, but now I think, I think we have to go to Chili's. I think
2: the. I'm
1: actually di- surprised that hasn't happened yet. <laughs>
2: honestly, it's hard to. It's harder to find a Chili's in New York City than you. Well, think. that's actually true. Yeah. Um, although we could probably go to JFK and go to Chili's too. Too. <laughs> Hashtag plug Chili's. Um, but you know the thing about the 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 nature of Washington is there's there's so few places you can actually go to right. have a private conversation. And what we have yeah. in the, the Chili's moments, there's three scenes throughout the show, is Issa's character who is from a place that takes great pride in the fact that Chili's is in this expansion world right. and started as just one single restaurant. Right. And that's a place where you can go and again, to my uh, earlier point, uh, I didn't know why I was saying it then but now I do, mm. is no one no one goes eight miles outside of Washington. You might as well be, you know, in Alaska. And so that's a place where these two characters can have a relatively right. private conversation outside of the, the gaze and the glare of the, your cohorts. Right,
1: right, yeah. Um, so, Gillian, you've worked with two big names in comedy lately, uh, you've, both Dan Harmon and Judd Apatow. Do oh, you, and, and, this, and Tommy Kale. I'm sorry, three. And Thomas Kale. Um, do you consider yourself a comic actor? Are you a comedian? Or how do you think of yourself as a performer?
0: Well, um... I guess I think of myself as an actor who's done a lot of comedy. Okay. Uh, I don't have any training in comedy specifically. I didn't, you know, go to UCB or Second City or Groundlings, right, right. so I Yeah, don't, you
1: went to Juilliard, right? You yes. studied acting at Juilliard. Yeah, it's
0: kind of the right.
2: same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar. except
0: yeah. That they hate improv there. <laughs> <laughs> um Can't sketch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so I, it was a funny thing for me because. I was trained in this environment where the text was sacred, you you were word perfect or you were a failure, and then I go and work on, you know, comedies where you're expected to improvise. And so it took some adjusting for me, but I was really lucky to work on community because the cast was so incredibly talented and we would spend so long shooting the scenes that I really got to just basically learn from them how to improvise and I would read a script and I would get nervous because if they gave me a physical bit or something I wasn't quite sure how I could do it or how I, how I was supposed to make that funny and so I would read the scripts and then I would see the actors bring those things to life with their parts and so I sort of just would steal from Donald Glover and Jim Rash and all these people um, and so I feel like I've developed skills in that area but, it was, but it's not something that I set out to do
1: and then, so does any of that, sort of your experience with improv and comedy, figure into now as you're coming back on stage? Can you feel that figuring well, into how you were? Well, Tommy,
0: work? It's going back to our favorite place, Chili's, Tommy likes to point out... <laughs> I was hoping you bring this up. Yeah, <laughs> what, a, what a ham sandwich I am in the first Chili's scene where I really make a meal <laughs> of eating <laughs> the fajita. And so, yeah. The sizzling I, fajitas are yeah, a big
1: deal in this play, we should say. I
0: definitely, uh, I guess... I have more of those instincts now than I did 10 years ago when I was doing The Little Flower. Right. Um, but I try to approach each thing individually for what it is and not feel this obligated. I mean, the writing is funny. That's the thing. Sarah's writing is funny. So you just right. basically have to say the lines. Right. Um, you don't have to, uh, do much more than that. Um, but yeah, I guess it does give you a different degree of confidence that it's like, i I've been working on this for the last nine years, so I'm not as afraid of some of comedy in a script as I would have been right yeah, right
1: yeah um, and so Tommy, you're starting to branch out and do some screen stuff uh as well. you did some you did grease live uh, Go. yeah <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, <laughs> but and you you're working on some TV shows too. Um, t- tell us about what's coming up for you on well,
2: uh, what's coming up for me is preview number sixteen. Of, Kings of course, tonight to the public theater. Yep. Uh, you know, um, I have this little production company that I started to develop television um, uh, for Fox. And coming out of the experience of Grease Live, which was a very positive one, where I got to take some of the limited skills I had here and marry them with some uh, very smart people out there, uh, you know, it, it provided me a chance to build a little bit of a bridge. Um, From some of the people I knew to uh, introduce him to some people out there. So watching William Ivy Long do a costume presentation for the president of Fox is like the greatest thing you can imagine. (laughs) And of course, like in our world, you know William is Williams William. William William, You know, and David Corns came in. No introduction. Yeah, and like, and then you walk in there, and they're like, "Who is this man in the khakis and the blue blazer?" (laughs) And he's like telling. I mean, I mean, I could probably do a whole podcast on it. He's like, he's like, okay everyone over there like, is ordering people around who haven't been told you know what to do for like 63 years and he's like having them like hold his props and so I loved kind of crashing those things into each other yeah. so that's what I'm most interested right. in doing is yeah. trying to take some of the sensibility that I've cultivated and some of the people I know right. and see if we can just find a different place to tell those stories but I, I hope to always work in the theater I-, I-, I also don't see theater as the minor leagues for film and television right. and there's a there's a conversation that sometimes happens out there. It's like, oh, well, now you've done this. Are you ready for this? Right. And that's not—that's certainly not how anyone in our company uh, feels about that, meaning like our, our acting company. Right. And so they are actors in the same way that I'm a director, and there will be some stories that hopefully I get to tell uh, in different places. And the
1: new and final season of your TV show, Love, is dropping next month. Yes. Um, what can we expect from that?
0: Um, what we can expect is probably some scenes of Mickey and Gus together. Mm-hmm. I, can, I think I can guarantee that. Yeah. You are
1: embarking on a relation, yes, for reals on a relationship. They're
0: attempting to actually be in a relationship. Um, I'm never really allowed to say anything or I get in big trouble. Um, Does it feel
1: like the end of the story? I guess was one of my questions. Oh,
0: um, well, you know, I don't ever know that. I is it ever the end or it's just where we say goodbye to them? Mm -hmm. Uh, So,
2: oh yeah, (laughs) Jacob's (laughs) coming coming for you.
0: (laughs) But I'm excited for people to see it. It's been, you know. Uh, it's been really interesting to see how deeply these characters touch some people, and like uh, how they are both um, incredibly drawn to them, and then also very angered by them, and sometimes at the same time. So people have very strong reactions to the show. So yeah. it's been interesting to see, you know, as these three seasons have evolved. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be goodbye for now to yeah. Mickey and Gus.
1: And you mentioned Ibiza, which is out yeah. later uh, later this year, right? Yes, in, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else is coming up for you after?
0: Yes, I'm also in a movie called Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. and um, and then. What else do I have coming out?
2: We're doing a play every year for the next... Yes, I'm currently okay. in a
0: play at the public theater. That's what, the I,
2: hear. Four years. <laughs> what I hear. She's committed to do four Ooh, plays wow. a year, which is
1: great. Thank um, you, Gillian. Uh, yeah. Breaking news.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you
1: want theater to be a part of your career? Is that a thing that you... Yeah,
0: I mean, I was a child who had a subscription to American Theater Magazine. <laughs> you know, I I would read it cover to cover every month. I dragged my family to the George Bernard This was in Shaw. Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. I, like, remember reading... Betty's Summer Vacation, the Christopher oh, Durang. Oh, yeah, the Christopher yeah. Durang. Yeah. yeah, I remember reading, because every month there would be a full-length play. Yeah, in the, in the middle. Theater, sure. Yes, so I remember reading, and I would, like, study the production photos, and then when I went to Juilliard, Chris Durang, you know, ran the playwriting program with Marsha Norman, yeah. and I was so starstruck by meeting Chris Durang. So, yeah, and I would drag my family to the George Bernard Shaw Festival in um, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Canada I so must year. have loved you a lot. Oh, Yeah five years running (laughs) that was our summer vacation was I would see three plays a day they would have a noon a matinee and an evening and my family would maybe come to one of them um so yeah I didn't really find a lot of people at school who wanted to talk about passion poison and petrification with me but
2: uh but she has now yeah Yeah, no still not John Johnsville's
0: other island anyone um uh yes, the yeah. Simpleton of the Unexpected Isle, all, wow. all all wonderful Shaw plays I saw as a child. Wow.
2: So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so, she's the real thing. Okay, yeah, I don't know I that. If anyone that. out there yeah. was wondering if Gillian right. Jacobs knows about the theater, but the answer is a resounding. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> and Tommy, the next production of Hamilton you are directing is where? That'll be, uh, the the production that starts in puerto rico and then goes to san francisco okay. so yeah yeah the, that is is that next year That's Yeah, it will be the top of the year so it'll be in january yeah. um in puerto rico and so right. lynn's doing that and then we'll we'll go to san francisco for the year for right. the rest of the year but um but yeah so uh in the in the meanwhile uh, you know just continuing to cast the show and, and then right. try to make sarah write another play right all right. the usual stuff yeah yeah um and gillian what can tommy do to
1: finally impress oh. you
0: what can he do to finally impress me Okay, he can get Hillary Mantle to come see our show. <laughs> wow. This is
2: classic Gillian, by the way. <laughs> 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 Hillary, Hillary Mantle, why? Uh, th- yes. Can we go in on this a little bit? Yeah, Do you want to say on, the rest of the people? Oh, oh, is, Elaine if May. If Elaine May is oh. listening oh, to I've, the stage. I've have given podcast. Tommy
0: a list of people <laughs> I would like to come see our play. So if he can get Elaine May, Hillary Mantle, Laurie Siegel, Helen DeWitt, who else did I give you?
2: There was one other.
0: Hillary Mantle, I can't oh. remember. That's my current list.
2: You yelled something at me yesterday, but I can't remember what it was. But I, I also <laughs> want to say th- these were solicited. I don't want you to think that Gillian just sure. runs around yes. saying, yeah. invite these authors to the show. Yes. Right. I did say, He's... if you could have mm-hmm. any six or seven people come see the show, right. and uh, people that I have no opportunity to invite <laughs> or cannot right. facilitate in any way, and sure. she's like, great, here's a list. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, you've done it. You're six for six. <laughs> Although Elaine May, <clears throat> it feels like if there's one unicorn we could get. You, you could, could maybe get could Elaine May. May. Like maybe. May. Maybe Maybe. Maybe. I know that she listens to this pod, so yeah, I know tell, that's really but true. Tell
0: Hillary Mantle that
2: <laughs> this is Camille de Gourville, Hillary.
0: Hillary, I, I'll do my best, Hillary. Hillary I, Hillary, I love your work. I'm reading your book, Backstage, mm. um, and you you're writing about the Marquis de Lafayette um, in the book I'm currently reading about the French Revolution. And I want you to know that the public theater is on Lafayette, which was named for him. I I mention him in a scene um, in the play, true. and um, also, there's a restaurant called Lafayette where we could maybe have dinner together after the play right across the street. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's the best. I mean, I, t- Hillary, we'll see you there. So, <laughs> but, you know, we should just make it like Guffman. There's going to be two tickets for Hillary at every performance, no matter what, and she'll either use them or Joel Grey will. Yeah. Apparently Joel Grey just made the list. And yeah. That's, all right. That, I've you,
0: met Joel Grey. Oh
2: my god. You yeah. <laughs> really I was hates the theater. Well, I mean,
0: son-in-law but, in a movie. Oh wow. I got to meet Joel Grey. Uh, I can think of some more.
2: <laughs> Great, we can do that. Uh, you know, on or off well, air, whatever's please good for you. Keep, okay. Please keep us posted about all Great, the people. Great, I will. Up. Yeah, all right.
0: Most of you know that I'd have a much longer list, but a lot of them are sadly no longer with us. So I've tried to keep it to the living. All
1: right. Thank you. <laughs> 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 well, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the run, um, and I look forward to seeing the next show you work on together. Great, thank
0: thanks, you guys. guys. Appreciate thank it. you.
1: That was actress Gillian Jacobs and director Thomas Kale on their latest project, Kings, now playing at the Public Theater through March 25th. On the next episode of StageCraft, I'll be talking to Casey Nicola, Broadway's go-to guy for musical theater, and the director of The Book of Mormon, Aladdin, the upcoming musical adaptation of Mean Girls, and, in the fall, the new show The Prom. Until then, see you at the theater.